you want to learn more about effective management, head over to madsingers.com and sign up for my free management training. Welcome to the Mad Singers Management Podcast from madsingers.com, where entrepreneurs and business managers learn and share. If you like the show, don't forget to leave a review. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Maya Middlemiss. Welcome, Maya. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Maya, you were a remote business builder before that was even a thing. Yeah, it wasn't invented in 2020, right? It, uh, yeah, so I thought I was ahead of the curve. I, I had my first remote staff in 2007, but uh, you were obviously way, way ahead of me at that point already. So you've been around for a while. Yes, I suppose I have. In fact, at the start of 2020, um, I was planning to, well, I was already writing my book on 20 years of working from home because I, I thought then that I knew everything there was to know about yeah. <laughs> and the universe had nothing more to teach me. So um, that was an interesting lesson when obviously everything changed. But, so it's been a fascinating journey and just goes to show that change is always possible. Excellent. Just before we get into all the good fun stuff here, would you mind giving the audience a little bit of an overview of who you are and how you ended up where you are and so on? Yeah, sure. Um, um, the business that I launched in the year 2000, and I can always date that very clearly because it coincided with the arrival of my millennium baby, um, who's now towering over me. Uh, that was originally set up as a solo business working from home. And I ended up growing a research fieldwork agency and employing people in three different countries. Um, I left there to go full-time freelance about four years ago now. I've been writing and consulting and really specializing in this beat of the future of work, future of business, and the way we collaborate and do things online. And because of the way that I work, I was able to leave my native London and bring my family to the Spanish coast, where I've been for the last decade, and now settled in Spain's third city of Valencia, and really enjoying the fact that I can choose where I work, where I live. Um, and I'm an Estonian e-resident, so I'm very interested in new paradigms of business structures and nationality. And I think despite the tragedy that we've all just been through, the future is very exciting when it comes to the future of work and the possibilities that unlocks. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think, uh, I mean, I've also been, been remote for many years and lived in many, many places and uh, that freedom is great. I think uh, definitely, I think COVID is blowing a big hole in the whole thought about work right i think uh, fundamentally like all these companies have been like oh you know we need an office and we need to have all these expenses and i think a lot of offices uh, a lot of businesses have found out during covid that they don't right? yeah i think for a lot it was a threshold condition that they never would have taken that step until they were pushed off the ledge and they realized that actually people can work from anywhere. People can be trusted. People can be productive, even under really unsuitable circumstances in many cases. So just imagine what all those people could be doing for your business um, when they're not also homeschooling and locked down. Yeah. And so the, the big thing I've seen is also, uh, particularly in the 
places like London or in the US, like looking at the, the very expensive places to live, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, a lot of companies go there because that's where the best talent is. But the fact that you can now poach talent anywhere, no matter where you're located, I think makes such a huge difference to, to yeah. all companies, right? It's super exciting. And it's going to have consequences that we can't really see yet. The second, third, fourth, fifth order consequences on what that does to cities and yeah. um, the way we live and work. Lots of people were maybe doing homeworking during lockdown in quite unsuitable small urban accommodation but if they opt for that long term then there's no reason they have to live in those city centers anymore you know for that same rent you could have somewhere with a a spare room or a garden or a leisure you could go and live in a community where you can really put down some roots or you could travel for the rest of your life Um, there are so many possibilities now Um, I think the only certainty is that we're not going to go back in some time machine to 2019 definitely and uh, yeah, I had a I had a very good friend in the U.S. who who'd been living in New York for about eight nine years or so, and he just uh, in the beginning of this year he just moved to Kansas City where he's from originally, and you know he's like he cut down like a third of his rent payment or something, uh, or two sorry he cut down two thirds so he only paid a third rent where he is now in a bigger place and he's closer to his family and everything right so I think. I think definitely, I mean, the, the U.S. would definitely be hit, but I think all countries will, there, there'll be a lot of consequences. And I think, I think honestly, both for businesses and for employees, it's going to be better. Yeah. Um, it'll take time. There'll be casualties along the way. There's a definitely. lot of businesses that sprung up off the back of that city centre thing. You know, I do feel yeah. sorry for the little cafes and dry cleaners and all of those businesses, I don't feel so sorry for the hedge funds exposed to commercial real estate. Um, they'll figure it out. Hopefully those little businesses, they tend to be quite entrepreneurial types who will find new ways to serve the way that the demographics look in a, in a few years time. And hopefully we'll see more of a renaissance of smaller towns and villages, as well as those second tier cities like your friend moving. Yeah. Um, you know, they, he'll be able to take that work with him that money flows into the local economy. It creates jobs and opportunities there and really gives uh, more of a meaning to a community than when you're commuting off to a distant downtown city centre every day. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So what are, what are some of the key lessons you've learned? I mean, the, so, so the majority of the audience here are, are typically online business owners, so they, they tend to have remote staff either... Uh, you know that could be that could be staff from the same country but also many of them have staff in multiple countries and things like that so what what's some of the key lessons you've learned in the last 21 years that you you think would be worth sharing well um i think there are lots of things initially i didn't intend to build an online business i intended to work from home because i had a newborn um it was an ideal way to set up something new Uh, Then I ended up hiring people to work for me. And at at one point, there were people working in my home, which wasn't ideal. And at that point, we nearly rented an office. But actually, I still didn't want to go to an office. And neither did they. And it just seemed easier to say, "Okay, well, you go home then. Um, And it was more complicated then because we didn't have cloud-based communications and asset storage and so on. It was we were lots of faffing about with VPNs and (laughs) embryonic ADSL and things like that was it was difficult but it actually made sense for us to grow that way so I think 
you know, had we designed it centrally that way from the start, we might have set things up differently from a data point of view. Sure. But that said, there were fairly limited options at the start of the century. So but that's also the thing, right? I mean, the, the technology where we are now have just made this so much easier as well, right? A complete transformation. And I suppose that's the. I would definitely recommend anybody now to adopt a remote first or a remote ready way of planning to scale their business, because then whatever you do, it doesn't matter. The office just becomes another location that you can get together to collaborate in. And I think obviously the way we use offices is going to change and that's still evolving. But once you make the work itself completely digitally visible and manageable, then you have choice. You're not going to end up in the situation that a lot of enterprises were 15 months ago or whenever it was that balloon went up that some suddenly they were stuck and you know it really highlighted the difference in the digital transformation journey where people were at some people it was easy right everybody take a laptop go home business as usual no problem others had certain key parts of their their strategy like their voice communications was all rooted through a pbx that was still in a building that no one was allowed to enter and really created a lot of problems so i think that the message going forward is going to be it's an essential part of your business continuity strategy virtual first to be remote first and then after that it doesn't matter what hits you you know where it's not just infection we're seeing climate related events devastating different parts of the world people are having to move and make choices and be ready to work from anywhere the infrastructure's there you know we're getting the bandwidth that we never had having spent the most of the last two decades scrabbling around for a decent bandwidth to do a video call or a recording that's sorted now now that we have fiber broadband but what's going to happen is you're going to need to think about where your assets are where your tools are and making sure that people can connect into those and be ready for anything yeah, I'll, I'll say there's still a few places in the world where where the internet is still not consistently up to scratch, right? But uh, I, I hear rumors that Elon is going to fix the world and uh, bring us uh, internet <laughs> from the sky. So I hope, yeah, I hope that's from Mars or something. Um, yeah. I think there'll be more choices. Put it that way, particularly with the five G rollout. Yeah, definitely. And that's uh, so. That's one of the interesting things. So I, I lived in the Philippines for quite a while. And like compared to, I'm, I'm from Europe, Denmark originally. And like when we generally look at 4G coverage in Denmark, it's not great, right? Really? You drive down the motorway and, you know, there's no coverage sometimes. Uh, whereas in Philippines, because they obviously, they've kind of skipped a step, right? So uh, many times at a deserted island that have no power, you have like perfect 4G connection, uh, which, was, which was very interesting. Uh, obviously, they also have places that are not covered very well, but it's just very interesting that I, I generally found better 4G connection in a place like the Philippines than, yeah, that's than in, in Europe some places, right? So You've got, you know, there are places that will never have landlines now, but they're so advanced in mobile telephony and the, the second-order consequences of that, things like mobile payments and so on. They're exactly. way ahead of Europe and, and the States because they've never had that landline infrastructure to pull back on and they never will now. They just have more cell towers. So yeah. it's always going to be uneven. And that's why it's so exciting as the world is starting to unlock to be able to think about where we want to locate ourselves and what we need to tap into. Definitely. So out of interest, where, where do you have staff and employees nowadays? Like where, where are they based? Are they all over the world like yourself? Or? 
Uh, well, I'm just a freelancer now. So I work with clients and collaborators all over the place. Um, I work for publications and brands in Europe, in the UK, in the States, in Asia. The good thing about being based in Europe is from a time zone collaboration point of view, you're kind of in the middle of the world, which is excellent. Yeah. Um, and it means that I can consult with different teams regardless of where they were. And also I'm a very big advocate of asynchronous collaboration anyway, so it doesn't matter. Um, yeah. You have to be contiguous in your time zone. So. But obviously this technology that we're using now to record this conversation means that we can have meetings um, with anybody wherever they are. And um, it's, it's great to be able to make a living bringing those worlds together and helping teams access the technology and the practices they need um, to be able to work wherever they are. Yeah, that totally makes sense. And uh, yeah, I've definitely... The time zone thing, I, I spend a lot of time in Asia generally, and uh, particularly the Americans can be a little bit tough. Uh, yeah, I mean, I have had people, I've had a, a client in Hawaii once who was the only person I had a 12 hour complete offset with. And I think eight o'clock is a reasonable time for a meeting. And I'm always happy to say to the client, you choose if you're the morning person or the evening person, but we're not yeah. doing it your lunchtime because that's not reasonable. Yeah. So, you know, you can, eight o'clock is a fair boundary yeah. on anybody's working day. Yeah, so I, I, I typically, I mean, when, when I'm in the Asian time zone, I typically kind of work early in the morning. So about early-ish, so basically mm -hmm. eight till 10 or so. And then typically I, I have some calls in the evening. So maybe from eight till nine or eight to 10 or something like that, right? So just to cover the US as well. So, um, yeah. so, so, so yeah, it, it can definitely be challenging. But I would say I, I'm currently in Europe and the time zones here are definitely generally a bit more friendly. But it's also important to remember that we're not tied to a nine to five. You know, we are not sure. building widgets on a production line anymore. Just everything about the way that we structure business in, from our employment and contract law and everything else is about that idea that we all have to be in one place at the same time, working continuously on a single thing. And once we liberate ourselves from that, we can work a lot more flexibly. We can actually start to tune into our own rhythms that I know that I, I can't really write in the evenings, but I can have conversations um, I can talk to people, I can interview people. So I tend to block my calendar for writing in the morning. That's when I'm focused. That's when the coffee is flowing and the creativity and I get my head down and I, I, I block off my schedule. So I, I can't do any calls then. Whereas in the afternoon, that's when I can be more creative in terms of ideas and conversation of flowing. I do more planning and scheduling and so on. So, I mean, that is partly the liberation of working for myself. And I realize it might not always be the case in employment, but I think the more you know yourself and your rhythms, the more productive and, and happy you can be. So certainly when you work from home, you should be able to, even if you're in a, an employed situation, it's important to just kind of get to know yourself a little bit and work with what you've got. Like at the moment in Spain, there's really not much point trying to get much done in the early afternoons when it's just so hot. <laughs> it's better to just, even if it's you don't take a proper Spanish siesta, yeah. good to just chill out a little bit and relax and, and then get up early in the morning if you yeah. can do any tasks and things. Do that. You know, everything's open at seven, eight o'clock in the morning because that's the only time it's cool enough to move around. Yeah. 
Yeah, that totally makes sense. And I mean, we've sat all around the world and some of them, you know, some of them are maybe mothers or some of them are maybe studying a little bit on the side and stuff. And and again, like having that flexibility and the ability to to shape your day around. Uh, obviously, some job types, it's very difficult, right? So we have, we have some people who do customer service, et cetera. And obviously, uh, yeah. in that case, you need to be there when people are calling. But uh, But obviously, many, many jobs are... Are more bound on or more set up based on deliverables, right? Where it doesn't really matter too much. So, as you said, it's much more about, yeah, much more about getting to know yourself and how yeah. you, how, what rhythm works best and so on. When you have that, and also then you have a management structure that understands what those deliverables and performance indicators are, then you can bring out the best of both worlds um, and put together a schedule that works for both. And I'm sure that the people you employ who are able to structure their working day around parenting and studying and things like that have great loyalty because that stuff doesn't just happen by accident. It takes negotiation, it takes working out. And once you have that in place and you can follow your own rhythms, then it creates a lot of satisfaction on both sides. Definitely, definitely. So um, one, one of the things that I always talk a lot with people about is sort of the their workplace. So how, how do you go about that? I mean, you've done this for many years. So how do you, uh, how do you sort of have, do you have a separate work room or how do you go about being most effective? Um, I've always, because I've done this for so long, we've always had to accommodate my office. Uh, my husband also works from home. He does one of those customer support shift type jobs. So mm-hmm. We've actually always had to have two offices, which sounds very extravagant, but we're both on video calls and I'm often recording or doing lives and it just doesn't work when you've got echo. So we, we just have to rent and buy places that have got lots of rooms. Yeah. <laughs> I've got two daughters who've also been studying from home intermittently over the last year or so. So it's it's just part of what we have to do, but the fact that we can afford to live less centrally because our work is online means that's always been possible to accommodate. When we were moving around Spain, sort of over the last decade or so, renting, it was difficult in tourist areas because you just don't get like four bedroom places. Everything's geared up for two, three bedroom holiday rents. So that was more challenging, but there's always a way of doing it. For me, I think for the boundaries point of view, it really works to have a dedicated space. Um, not only can I manage the storage and acoustics, it just means that it's very important to be able to close the door on it at the end of the day, to walk away from it. Um, and it means that you can have your office and have your, your life quite separate. Now, I do realise that for many people listening to this who have struggled to make working from home work, that sounds very much like a luxury. And it is. It's a conscious choice. You know, as I say, when we were renting, we always know that we paid extra for the extra space. We were literally renting that office space every month um, and whether that can be reflected in your expenses and your tax and everything else depends on where you are and I won't get into trying to advise on that it's worth asking about um, but it does mean you know it would be the same if you were traveling to an office downtown you would have expenses related to commuting and your employer would have expenses related to that building and so on at least when it's your own you can control the temperature you can control the decor you can have the tech that you want in that space so I I think it's really important to surround yourself with the things that make you feel productive and good and 
hopefully not too messy. I've got a, you know, I use this backdrop that you can see now, which is quite cluttered on my books and things like that, which is fine for talking to clients and sources. If I'm doing a live, I've got another wall, which has got more sort of minimalist arty going on. Um, I've got it somewhere comfortable I can read and take calls. If I'm actually doing just an audio call, I try and get outside and move because that is one problem with working from home is you don't do enough of that. And it is important. So if I'm having just an audio call, I'll try and go for a stroll if it's not too hot. So once you start to think this doesn't have to look like the office, what do I want it to look like? Where will I be productive and happy? Sometimes I do meetings out in the garden. Um, a nice dark gazebo where I can just about see the screen. Um, there's lots of flexibility. I never work on the beach or under a palm tree or any of those stock photo cliches. Um, they, they really don't work. So sorry about that. If that was anybody's vision of being a digital nomad. Um, you know, you don't want to get sand in your keyboard and you really need to be able to see the screen you're working on. So that doesn't quite cut it. But um, I can also work in normal times. On, on a much more mobile basis you know I like when I'm working from home I've got my big second screen and I've got my planner and my different colored highlighters but I compare that right down to one MacBook Air and if, if I need to work from an airport or a cafe or something sometimes I do that I've also got a nice new co-working down the road actually which I've been doing some work with so I've been starting to check them out occasionally because you know it's it's good to encourage these businesses to start to have a bit of a renaissance in the high street and attract people in so i've been doing a few days work down there from time to time as well yeah so it's it's interesting i mean i've always for, for my personal preference right like I'm, I'm not good i've many friends that like to work from cafes and co-working spaces i as soon as there's any noise around me I, my distraction level goes to the roof and I'm like, as soon as I see people, I want to go talk to them. And um, I'm, so I'm, I, I don't focus very good like that. But what, what I've always found is that what, what I need to be effective is I, I need like a solid office desk. So some sometimes, you know, like you've been trying to work from like, a, I don't know, like a, uh, what do you call it, like a dining table or something. Mm-hmm. And I've found that for me, that does not work. So I generally need to have like a solid office desk and a half decent chair. Uh, for me to be effective now the, the one thing that make a huge difference for me was um, specifically in terms of uh, using a separate place for work and play so mm-hmm. I basically I also spend some time on the computer when I'm not working but the problem is when you're working from home those two things can intertwine very very easily so what I found is that I literally, like if I, you know, even if I want to watch a funny video or something, I will literally go and sit somewhere else. So I actually condition my head to be like, when I set up the office desk, I work, right? And when I need some time off and I'm watching a movie, if I want to do something else, I will physically go somewhere else and do it. And even sometimes, you know, I, I like catching up with some friends or having some calls with, with friends. And usually even those, I try and go and do somewhere that's not my office desk right it's really important and there are lots of creative solutions to this i interviewed a lot of people for the second healthy happy homeworking book about boundaries and um, people who've been making homeworking work and often in very cramped inappropriate accommodations but they've come up with really creative ways of doing them even somebody who changed their lighting at the end of the day 
they still had done a day's work in their studio apartment, but they had a different configuration of lights that kind of cast their, their desk away into darkness and illuminated the rest of the room. People who put up screens and dividers to try and create some demarcation. I think, you know, it's if you have the luxury of a private office with a door, then the boundaries side of things is much easier. You can walk away at the end of the day, close the door, get on with your evening. If you don't have that, then you have to be a bit more imaginative and creative. But people are amazing in that respect. And like you, I use my laptop occasionally to have a Zoom with my mum or something like that, but I'll take it into the living room then where I'll never do work. Um, I actually had to do some work downstairs in the living room this week because I, we had some engineers working on the roof and needed access through my office and it felt really weird. I thought, I don't like this. <laughs> this isn't what I do. And it really reminded me how important those boundaries are psychologically. I felt I couldn't settle down and write. And so I went down to the co-working in the end. Um, but even there, I, you know, my writing time, I need the peace and the continuity and the lack of interruption that I get here. And that's why offices have often been a disaster for people sort of open plan offices where you can see everyone and managers think everybody's being creative and spontaneous, but actually nobody can concentrate on anything. And that's why you see engineers sitting there with a big Beats headphones on just saying, don't interrupt me because I'm coding or I'm writing and I, I need to concentrate. It's much easier to do that at home or somewhere you can control the environment anyway. Definitely, definitely. Well, that, that makes a lot of sense, Maya. So do you want to tell us a little bit about the, the project you're currently working on? Yeah, well, Healthy Happy Homeworking was going to be a book I was going to write about 20 years of working from home. And it was going to be a big, fat, epic Bible about how to do it. And, you know, it's this is a, a new thing for a lot of people, but this is why you should do it. And this is why it's great. And I had it. I had the outline done. I had the TED talk prepped. I had everything ready to go in the early part of 2020 when my 20-year anniversary rolled around. Of course, since then, everything changed. And I realized that while I was working to support teams with getting online and collaborating and so on and supporting managers was really important, there was suddenly this huge emergent demographic of reluctant home workers and people who were cast out to do it with very little support, often very little choice in the matter because they were legally locked down, um, often without appropriate technology, appropriate supervision, managers have no clue how to support remote workers. So I started to bring together Healthy Happy Homeworking as a community, as a group. So we have a thriving Facebook group now um, and lots of other social media. There's, I've written two books in the series. The book became a series instead because I figured what well, people don't need a big fat book which is going to sit on the shelf and gather dust what they need is something actionable quite short and accessible so the first book was about the transition in the office space and so on the second book was about boundaries the third book which I'm working on at the moment is all about hybrid teams and being the remote person and then other people are going back to the office because that's what's happening now and people aren't sure what they want you know can I keep the benefits of working remotely when part of the organization is going back, will that disadvantage me in terms of my career and my visibility and so on. So I want to support those people. Um, I also have a training course about applying for remote jobs because what's happening now is we're seeing an incredible amount of churn going on in the workplace. There's a lot of people are leaving their jobs. They don't know what they want to do. Um, 
they know that they're burned out and stressed and they want something different. They certainly don't want to be told that they're going back to an office that they don't feel they want to be in yet because it's not safe. Um, so I've been helping a lot of people as private coaching clients as well to scope out remote opportunities. Because the good news is now that those employers know that those jobs can be done remotely. The case is made and won. So the possibility of where you can look for your next job is wide open. But So it's actually focusing and cutting through all of that and making a case for yourself is a lot of the work I've been doing recently, as well as carrying on with general journalism and content marketing. Um, and because I think the future is all about portfolio careers. And I love what we're doing with Healthy Happy Homeworking. And if you are interested in working from home or growing a remote team or scaling your business remotely, then, you know, we'd love to have you come and join us. Definitely. Sounds cool. Sounds cool. Yeah, I mean, there's more and more of the remote job boards as well, right? So I got friends that have a couple. So dynamitejobs.com. As an example, is primarily remote jobs, and one called remotus.net is another good place. Uh, and both of those platforms are it's primarily remote jobs, right? So it's sometimes uh, I've have, I've seen people sit and look at regular job boards, kind of trying to source out remote jobs. That can sometimes well, be difficult, but yeah, because a lot of them don't have it as a filter yet. Like indeed, yeah. you can't. You have to put the location before yeah. you can search. It's the same. You can't put on your LinkedIn profile that you're looking for a job that's remote you, you know you can put it in as a keyword so a lot of the infrastructure hasn't yet caught up with even how to find those jobs never mind how to prepare your application how to interview effectively online yeah. what kind of tasks and questions you might need to prepare for so there is still very much um a sort of first mover advantage there for people who know what they want and optimize their approach to job seeking and there are growing numbers of jobs out there, and there are lots of specialist job boards, as you were saying, springing up. Um, we've got a roundup of some of them on the website. There are new ones coming along all the time, and they includes roles that are genuine employed remote jobs. They're not all tech. Obviously, there are loads of developer jobs because that's always been something that's really niche and people have had to hire remotely. But now there are jobs that don't require that kind of technical expertise in everything from marketing, creative, administration, customer service. So many things can now be done from anywhere. So you just need to find the employer that's got the right attitude. Um, the good news is they could be anywhere in the world. Yep, definitely, definitely. Well, Maya, fantastic conversation. That was uh, really good to catch up with you and uh, see what you're up to. Yeah. So. Just uh, before we finish off, if people are eager to get in contact with you, obviously you mentioned the website, but any other great sort of connections? Ways? Yeah, sure. Um, well, you can connect with me on LinkedIn um, or on Twitter. I'm Maya Middlemiss everywhere, and I'm the only one. So um, if you find find my name, you found me. So do pop up and say hi. Healthy Happy Homeworking is the main website. You can sign up for our newsletter there. And... If you have a look on Facebook, you'll find our page, but then from there you'll find links to our private community, which is where we can really interact and support each other as home workers. And we share lots of information and chat there. So if you're having any concerns about your future remote work career as either as an entrepreneur or an employee, then do come along and join a really friendly and growing international community. Awesome. Sounds great. Maya, thank you very much for joining me today. It was awesome having a chat. Great pleasure. 
And to the audience, we'll be back again next week. Thank you for listening all the way to the end. Thank you for listening to the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Please leave a review. It means the world to us. You can also learn more about management at madsingers.com.